Welcome in, everyone, to Football Friday, presented by Football Addicts Anonymous. We're back after a week, <laughs> a whole week this time. Spotty Wi-Fi in Cape May, New Jersey, at the campground. I was staying out with my parents for a couple days, so wasn't able to get it going there. But, uh, yeah, and also... If anyone is looking for our AFC East show from last Friday, I took it down. Echo was too bad. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't want to leave a a spotty quality video up on, on the YouTube channel. So, mm-hmm. But I'm finally back being able to do this in person. So, yeah, just Chris and I today. Should go relatively quickly. I don't know. I was hoping Jason was going to be on for uh, that little bit of NCAA stuff that's going on, but we'll talk about it. And maybe when he comes on next time, he'll talk more about it because he's our NCAA expert. So, (laughs) all right, let's get it rolling here. I still have not fixed my external drive. But I cleared enough space (laughs) on my computer that we can have the PowerPoints once again. So, NCAA news, though, like I said, just the nil name image likeness stuff is continuing to go through. Uh, The courts, I I was so confused because there were so many things out there about what happened with the Supreme Court ruling and everything. I'm sure I will learn more about it uh, this fall in law school. But, um, yeah. The one thing that I do have is a quote from Justice Kavanaugh. Um it says the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. And, I mean, we, we've all, everyone that's been in sport management knows, you know, it, uh, the NCAA is not that great <laughs> of an organization. So, mm-hmm. we'll have to see. July 1st is when I'll, the group of states that already has nil legislation in place that's when that goes into effect um i don't have the list of states with me i know georgia is one of them florida is another one um trying to think who else tennessee i think might be on that list too as well as california those two I'm not so sure about. But Georgia and Florida I definitely know are on the list. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the uh, only NCAA thing we have for today. <laughs> well, the, the only other thing is that the... Uh, 
12-team playoff went to the next stage. So the NCAA board is going to have a couple more meetings this year uh, during the summer to monitor it and see what developments they could, they come up with um, as far as TV. TV is really the biggest issue that they're mm-hmm. trying to work through right now. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, NFL news starting off with a great story happened over the weekend. Raiders defensive lineman Carl Nassib, he became the first active NFL player to announce he is gay. And we are in National Pride Month, so that coincided pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't I mean, I'm sure that the fact that it's Pride Month had something to do with it. But uh, yeah, he's the first, well, maybe not the first, because there has been other players in the past, whether they were after their careers or like, um, well, I'm, I can't remember the guy's name from a couple years ago that got drafted. Michael Sam. Um, yeah, Michael Sam. But Nassib, I think, is the first quote-unquote big-name player, active player, obviously, to actually uh, come out as gay and still have a couple years ahead of him. So, um, obviously, something like this shouldn't affect his playing time or his career in any way, but, I mean, there are still people out there that won't. But, obviously, I mean, we saw that he had has a lot of support out there because yeah. after his announcement, his jersey rose to the number one jersey in all of football. So, Yeah. Yeah, that it did. Uh, a lot of people reached out through social media to comment on his announcement there. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for Carl. Uh, the gonna go through a couple kind of league off season stuff here, so. Dealing with COVID, uh, still, uh, the league put out that the... I I actually forgot to check out what the deadline was for opt-outs for 2021, but uh, they did say, unlike 2020, players who voluntarily opt out this year will not receive any money. Um, It was 150000 last year uh for anyone that opted out but what will stay the same for opt-outs is anyone that's considered high risk they will continue to receive three hundred fifty thousand dollars if they opt out once again so we'll see i highly doubt there will be anyone that isn't high risk opt-out Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard anybody being high risk, so I don't know. Next thing on the league docket, 
they announced some 2022 offseason dates. So starting off with the first major date of the 2022 offseason, the two-week window to apply franchise and transition tags, that will start nine days after the Super Bowl. February 22nd, 2022, a lot of twos. <laughs> um, that will go through March 8th. And then the new league year will start eight days after that, March 16th, 2022 at 4 p.m. Also, off-season workouts uh, for teams with new coaches next year, they'll start on April 4th. Everyone else can start April 18th. And then the 2022 NFL Draft hosted in Las Vegas Uh will be April 28th through April 30th, 2022. All right. Kayvon Thibodeau, number one overall pick. Just saying. (laughs) I'm just glad that it's – Earlier than it was this year. It's all in April this time. Mm-hmm. For sure. The next thing here, I know a lot of people were hyped about this, but it won't be. It won't even be this year though. So I don't know why people are getting really hyped about it. The NFL approved the return of alternate helmets, uh, so teams can wear their entire throwback uniforms once again. Weird. You think about the cream sickles for the Bucks, the Falcons, uh, red helmets, mm-hmm. the Patriots, white helmets, uh, the Eagles, Kelly Green, Jets, mm-hmm. Kelly Green. <laughs> so, no, no, not even that. But the Jets also have their their Titans throwback uniforms too, the oh, blue yeah. and gold for the Titans. So the the uh, ugly. The- Ugly ones that far for. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't worn those jerseys probably since like 2012 or something like that. But yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that come out once a game, even though they already have three other jerseys to choose from. But yeah, I think I didn't read too much into it, but I believe it's just one extra helmet. Mm-hmm. So. That limits it a little bit because I know, like the Eagles, the Eagles have their uh, ones that they haven't. I don't even remember the last time they wore the uh, nineteen. What was it? Thirties. The the blue and the baby blue and gold. <laughs> Back when McNabb. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the last time I remember them wearing them. McNabb mm-hmm. and Shady. Yeah, I don't remember what those exactly were from. I think I think it was the thirties, the thirties though. Those uniforms. So who knows? But yeah, a lot of people are hyped about it. Saying about a couple of the uniform combos. Also, you got the Oiler uniforms for the Titans. I know someone said they were hyped to see Derrick Henry in an Oilers uniform. So, yeah. We'll have to wait, though, until 2022. Uh, it's the first year they're allowed to come back, so. 
I'm honestly surprised that they ended up allowing it because there was all that uh, stuff about the head injuries and all that that was against allowing them a second helmet. But I'm glad they allowed it, though, because I, I enjoyed the different uniforms, the throwback stuff. Yeah, I think they they had enough time to look at everything and um, research changing helmets and everything. Mm-hmm. So... Next up is the NFL Scouting Combine. The NFL opened up the bidding process for the Combine, starting with uh, the 2023 rendition, uh, which will be... The 2023 will be the 36th edition of the Combine. Uh... I don't know. I've saw I saw a, bo- a lot of backlash with this because people really like it in Indianapolis, and you know, I, I mean, I I've only been to two combines, and it is pretty nice in Indianapolis. You know, everything is right there: the hotel, Lucas Oil. But it is nice to give other cities major events. So, mm-hmm. and they also said that they're starting to accept bids for future drafts as well as Super Bowls, which I didn't understand why they put Super Bowls in there because I thought Super Bowls were already picked for like the next five years. So, I'm not sure, though. I thought it was like three years, but that could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, Well, they have... Yeah, I mean, you're right. Three years. Or no, four... No, three years. Yeah. Glendale... Or no, no, it is four years, yeah. They got L.A. this year, Arizona next year. They don't know about 2023 season, 2024, because of the scheduling with uh, New Orleans hosting and Mardi Gras, so... All right, next thing up here, Eli Manning back in the news. So he is rejoining the Giants organization with uh, business operations and fan engagement initiatives. Uh, responsibilities this comes in the same season where he will be inducted into the Giants ring of honor that'll be September 26th against the Falcons so I mean I assume that he's going to get paid for this uh, but he he still lives in 
my hometown there in Summit, New Jersey. And so he's become sort of like a local public figure there in our town. And since he's retired, he's had nothing to do. <laughs> he's kind of just been sitting around and, uh, I mean, just kind of living off of whatever money he made over his career, which I know is a lot. It was at one point like the most any quarterback has ever made or something like that. Um, but, yeah, he he's just been sitting around. And I know for a fact, like, his daughters go to a private school in Summit that's like a hundred grand a year per student. So yeah, he, I mean, not that he really needs the money, but I'm sure that this would probably help pay for that. Well, Chris, why has he not been on the show yet? (laughs) I don't know. I'll have to look into it. Well, I'm not sure if he is down here in Athens or not. His nephew, Arch Manning is on a visit with Georgia uh this weekend so i know i've talked to a couple people saying that his arch and cooper and his wife are here i'm not sure if peyton i think archie's here as well not sure if peyton or eli are here well is that like the school that they're trying to get into like is that the one that they want him to go to no, I mean, he's the number one quarterback prospect in his class. Yeah. And so, yeah, he has offers from however many schools, so he's just making his visits. Uh, I heard someone say he's going to Alabama after us, so. Of course he is. Does he have, uh, does he have offers from Tennessee or Ole Miss, where I'm his sure, uncles went? I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, not that his father did anything with school, but I wonder where he went to, or not that he did anything with football, but I wonder where he went to school. Cooper went to Ole Miss as well. Oh, okay, well. Yeah. So Peyton was the only one that went off uh, off script there. Well. Archie as well. Yeah. but yeah so Eli back with the Giants there the Vikings their sixth round rookie defensive tackle Jalen Twyman he was shot four times this past week uh, while visiting I believe it was his mom I was trying to remember if it was his mom or his grandma in Washington D.C. Shot in the arm, leg, butt, and shoulder. Uh, they said he's going to be fine, though. Said no major injuries that will uh, affect his ability to play this season. So, I didn't. I heard about that, but I didn't read too much into it. But like, was that like a targeted thing, or was that just kind of he was at the wrong place at the wrong time? Those were the exact words of his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. <laughs> <laughs> On Twitter, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what Drew said. Um, So he wasn't, like, involved in anything. It was just kind of a freak thing? Yeah. Yep. So, luckily, Jalen's all right, though. The Chiefs defensive end, Frank Clark, he was arrested in L.A., 
on suspicion of having a concealed gun in the car. Cops said that they saw a Uzi sticking out of a bag in plain sight in his vehicle and he was released on $35,000 bond, I believe. So, NFL's investigating. <laughs> I mean, an Uzi is a little out there, but I just hate the whole gun law thing. I'm not trying to get too political, but like just the fact that states have different gun laws. Like there should be one universal gun law, either they're legal or they're illegal. Because the same kind of thing happened with uh, the Jets' defensive tackle. That, or Yeah, I guess he's the defensive tackle. Uh, Quinton Williams, a couple, I think it was like a year ago or something, where he lived down in Alabama where it was legal. Then he got caught with it up here in Jersey. And so, I mean, nothing ever really came of it. I think he got a similar fine or something like that. But, I mean, I, I know the... Players got to be more careful, but like I said, the gun laws just need to be a little bit more lenient. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when it's pistols, when it's handgun, like, all right, okay. But, you know, submachine gun. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> and to have and it. And I find it hard to believe that he just had it out in the open. So. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, who who friggin' knows what what will come of Frank Clark's issue there? Uh, this one, this next piece was from last Friday. I forgot to say about it. Uh, the Jags, they signed former Vikings first-round pick wide receiver Laquan Treadwell. The man keeps getting opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, I feel like this is like his fifth team this year. Like, he's not sticking anywhere. And, I mean, the Jaguars have a solid receiving core, so I don't see him sticking around there either. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Especially if, uh, if ETN is taking snaps there, too. Yeah. He, it, it, it would be good for him if he can make it to training camp and into the preseason, get some tape. No, it's an opportunity to, to get yourself more tape. So I can't even think of a receiving core, though, that would need somebody like him. Not sure. <laughs> the, Patri- the Patriots. That's actually who I was thinking. But they have their own former first-round pick that hasn't worked out. That's still on the roster, so. (laughs) All right, the last thing here, last two things combined. Very shocking news yesterday. And so the Steelers, they released... All pro, uh, pro Bowl guard David DeCastro. That saves them eight and three quarter million. He had been dealing with an ankle issue. They said it had it was being elevated the last couple of days, as well as he had surgery before last season on it to try to help him out. Mm-hmm. He's also apparently 
contemplated retirement as well. Nine seasons with the Steelers. One of the best guards during his time there. Yeah, I didn't realize he's been in the league that long already, though. I didn't think it was that long. And then when I saw he said nine years, I was a little taken back by that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how severe the ankle issue was. I don't really remember, like, how much time he missed, if any, from it. But uh, if he decides not to retire, one team is going to get a solid uh, guard there. Um, but obviously, like, you you said that the Steelers are saving $8.75 million, which I think that was another big reason why, because I feel like they were a little strapped on cash as well. Um, I mean, they won't be too much next year with like Ben, with Ben Roethlisberger's contract coming off and a couple others. But yeah, uh, I think that overall though, I, I don't know. I don't know if I like the move or not. Obviously, if he was going to retire, this was the right move, but let's see if he actually does. Well, Ben's contract isn't coming off next year. Uh, he'll still have money on the cap, regardless of whether he's playing or not. It's like it's the Drew Brees situation uh, because they restructured it so many times, it pushed it into the future. So They did find his replacement, though. This was not how I thought it was going to go. But the Eagle, the, the Steelers signed guard Trey Turner to a one-year $3 million deal, so net of five and three-quarter million in cap space. But, yeah, I was so hyped about Trey Turner getting signed in Pittsburgh, but not at the expense of David DeCastro. <laughs> if they could have had both those guys, that would have solidified – their guard spots mm-hmm. and probably would have had one of the best guard tandems in the league. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other thing about this deal too, is it's just another one of those one year deals. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chance that they could lose them after this year. So then they're left with, without either one of them. So, I mean, yeah, he has to prove that he's healthy, uh, which that was why he had remained unsigned. Cause I guess teams weren't sure that he was 100% healthy, but he says he is. And I like them signing him now because OTAs and minicamp are done. So, you know, just stay in shape, get to training camp, (laughs) and then we'll be okay. But, yeah. There's only one returning starter on the Steelers' offensive line. From last season. And he's not even playing the same spot that he started at last year. Chuck Sokorafor is their only returning starter. He's switching from right tackle to left tackle this year. So. Yeah. I, I would like to ask Big Ben if he is reconsidering. <laughs> Coming back. <laughs> so. Because I don't even know who he's going to talk to now in the locker room. You know, he doesn't, uh-huh. there's, not that, there's not that many old guys left on the Steelers' offense. I, I can't even think of anyone that's that old anymore. No. The receivers are all young. The running backs are all young. 
the line is pretty much all young or new, at least to the team. Yeah, because, you know, James Conner's not, not there. You know, I the only people I can see Big Ben talking to are Juju and Mason Rudolph. <laughs> is there anybody left other than Ben uh, from the last Super Bowl that they went to? 45? No. <laughs> Dude, that was... That was eleven years ago. I know. I just even DeCastro wasn't even on that team. Wasn't sure. Yeah, DeCastro wasn't even on that team. Neither was Marquise Pound. Or no, Marquise was a rookie. I believe (laughs) that year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He might have to switch and go talk to the defensive guys. At least they got some some older guys over there. (laughs) <laughs> and Joe Hayden and Tyson Alualu. <laughs> all right, that is all the news for today. I didn't see anything new pop up, so we'll move into our NFC East season preview. Those aren't the right pictures. My bad. Forgot to switch them. <laughs> But those were the pictures from the AFC East show. Anyways. <laughs> uh, in case you don't know, that Zach Wilson, Hunter Henry, are the two guys that aren't... are, are new. Anyways. But the pictures I meant to put on were of Dak Prescott for the Cowboys, Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, Chase Young... For Washington and Saquon Barkley for the Giants. So let's start off with the Dallas Cowboys. Look at their schedule. Uh, I have them going nine and eight, four and two in the division, and seven and five in conference play. Week one at the Bucks. That is the season opener. That's a loss. (laughs) I had them losing week two in L.A. to the Chargers. They come home for a Monday nighter against the Eagles. That's a win. They beat the Panthers the next week, and they beat the Giants the week after that. That's a three-game homestand. They go to New England, and they beat them as well. So four and two into the uh, week seven bye Pretty solid for the Cowboys. Coming out of the bye, loss. That is a Sunday nighter at the Vikings. They come back with two wins against the Broncos and Falcons at home. They lose in Kansas City, come back home, and lose to the Raiders. Three-game homestand, they lose to at the Saints at Washington, and then they beat the Giants in New York. Uh, Two more home games, they beat Washington, and they beat the Cardinals, and then they lose Week 18 at the Eagles. Uh, I forgot to say a couple of those other primetime games. Uh, The Saints game, that is a Thursday nighter. And then they also have, uh, or the week before that as well, is the 
Thanksgiving game, which is against the Raiders. That is the normal Thanksgiving afternoon game, 3.30. Well, 4.30. This is all freaking central time because I printed off <laughs> Cowboys central time there. So, yeah, 9 and 8 for me for the Cowboys. Yeah, so, I don't know. I think, obviously, a lot of this season for the Cowboys uh, relies on Dak Prescott and how he performs coming off that major injury he had last year. Um, Obviously, if he goes down again, they're going to have a similar season to how they just – how it just played out. Um, But if he stays healthy, though, I think that they have a legit shot at the division. Whether or not they win the division is a different story, but – yeah, so – I don't know off the top of my head what my record would be, but I'm going to go through. Like you said, I think they lose the first two against the Bucks and the Chargers, so that's 0-2. And, and then, again, also agreeing with you, the, they end up 4-2 and two before the bye. Uh, also, I was just checking because I was curious while you were talking. Uh, uh, the Cowboys' record after a bye week is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6... Yeah, sixth best in the league for their win-loss record after a bye week. And number seven is the Minnesota Vikings. And both of those teams have that bye week, the same bye week. So that should be a very interesting game. Um, but I think it could go either way. But So let me skip that one for a second, though. So then the Broncos, I think they go in there and beat the Broncos. But as I said last week, as long as... Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that the Broncos won't be good. But, again, if if they somehow get Aaron Rodgers, then the, it's a whole different story. So right now I'd have the Cowboys at 5-2. and two. They beat the Falcons. That would be 6-2. and two. Lose the Chiefs 6-3. and three. Uh, I think they lose to the Raiders. So that's 6-4. and four. Uh, Lose to the Saints. That's 6-5. and five. Beat Washington, so that's seven and five. Beat the Cowboys or beat the Giants again. That's eight and five. Lose to Washington. That's eight and six. Uh, beat the Cardinals, so that's nine and six. Lose to the Eagles in the last game, so that's nine and seven. So again, I think the the one game that I think can go either way though is the Cowboys Vikings game. So I think that they're going to go either 10 and 7 or 9 and 8 like you have them. All right. Yeah, and like I said the I think games that stood out for me obviously the prime times. You got that one week 1 and another one week 3. And then Viking Sunday nighter, like you were saying, Thanksgiving, Saints game as well, and then they also have a Sunday nighter against Washington in Week 16. Yeah, all those division games towards the end of the season will be very interesting to watch because yeah, they could all mean something. Yeah, I they, they got four out of their last five games are division games, two of which are against Washington, which I think. It's going to be between those two. I absolutely hate it. I hate that this how the schedule got put out. 
<laughs> but yeah. All I know is I know what I'm going to be doing on my birthday. I'll be watching that Cowboy Saints game on that Thursday night. <laughs> Luckily, we still have Thursday nights not strictly on Amazon for this one last season. <laughs> but uh yeah, I I don't really know other than those division games at the end and then the prime times. I don't think there's really any other pivotal games. I think the Chiefs game could be one. That that three run stretch that three game stretch there mm-hmm. at Kansas City, home against the Raiders, and at the Saints. I have them going zero and three. Mm-hmm. Which is part of a four straight losses in the <coughs> middle or in, in the third quarter of the season, but. All right. So as far as their depth chart goes, I'm going to start out with Dak Prescott returning. Mm. He's the main point on the offense. The offensive line is not the offensive line it used to be. So I think it's it's on Dak. He's got the money now. Will mm-hmm. he perform up to standards? <laughs> And also, does Zeke bounce back? Because mm-hmm. he, he struggled without a passing, a reliable passing game to take the pressure off of him. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the offensive line, can they actually create enough space for him? But, I mean, if, if Zeke is really like a top five running back, it shouldn't matter too much if the offensive line... I mean, it's, the offensive line isn't bad. It's just they were so good in, like, five, six years ago that any sort of regression from that looks bad. But I don't think that they're really that bad of an offensive line. It's just they're obviously not the Hall of Fame superstar caliber that they were. Yeah. I mean, I think Tyler Biata's filling in for Travis Frederick was a home run hit. My thing is, is that how many games are you actually going to get from Tyron Smith? I don't know the last time he played a full season. <laughs> Zach Martin has had injury issues as well. I think probably your most reliable lineman right now, in my mind, would be Lyle Collins at right tackle. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Also on offense, I know he's not going to be a starter, but going to give some more love to Simi Fajoko, sixth-round pick from Stanford for the Cowboys at receiver. He's slated as the fifth wide receiver right now, so playing special teams, getting some time in five wide sets. Still like him, big body dude. And uh, I know he won't get that many catches, but... He'll do all right. They're 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 so stacked. Their receiver, it's crazy. 
Yeah, those were the offense. I didn't have too much to say about the offense. But uh, defensively, nothing to say about the defensive line. Second and third levels, though. Linebackers. I want to point out Micah Parsons, first, uh-huh. ra- first round pick. <coughs> Starting middle linebacker right now. He will call the signals. They also drafted Jabril Cox, who is Parsons' backup right now. And they signed Keanu Neal in free agency from the Falcons, moving from safety to linebacker. So, definitely stronger in that part of the defense. That's I, that's easily their strongest part of the defense, is the middle. Mm-hmm. So. And it was one of the worst last year, too. Yeah. So, they they made a big upgrade there. Um, but I think a lot of eyes will be on their rookie first-rounder right there with Micah Parsons. I mean, not only is he a first-round pick, and he was, in some people's eyes, the best defender in the draft, but he's also going to be the defensive signal caller, like you said. So... A lot's going to be riding on if he can actually retain the playbook and all that, which, I mean, I think he obviously can, but I, it's a lot of pressure for a rookie to slide into that kind of role. Yeah, I think he'll do very well, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know I know you liked him, though, because he's coming from Penn State, but it's going to be hard to root for him when he's playing against the Eagles. Because the last really high linebacker to go that I can think of was Luke Keekley. And while Parsons doesn't remind me of Luke Keekley in you know physical like how he looks physically, I think Michael Parsons is a little bit more trimmed out than Luke Keekley was. Luke Keekley was kind of bulky. Uh but Micah Parsons has the same mental game. Mm-hmm. And I think he's actually more explosive than Luke Keekley. Um, as far as just natural pop on on ball carriers. So. And he's better at pass rushing, too. He, he's very good at blitzing. Mm-hmm. Going to the secondary there, a couple guys... Another former Falcon, DeMonte KZ, starting free safety right now. And their second-round pick, Kelvin Joseph, out of Kentucky, slated as the fourth corner. So most likely getting time in sub-packages, diamond-nickel sets. I wasn't that high on Kelvin Joseph. I know a lot of people liked him. DeMonte KZ, I don't know about either. Uh, I didn't think he was the greatest in Atlanta. And it's kind of tough when you're... You don't get re-signed to a very bad Falcons defense. (laughs) So... I think the safeties are very weak for the Falcons... Or the, the Cowboys... Donovan Wilson, DeMonte Casey, Darian Thompson, Jaron Curse are the top four safeties. 
Well, according to this uh, depth chart, Reggie Robinson is the starter. It shows alongside Reg- Donovan Wilson. Uh, uh, on ESPN, it shows Reggie Robinson as the sixth corner. <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't know either. But yeah, those are the only couple guys. Fantasy-wise, Dak, where are we drafting Dak? I mean, that's that's always the thing. Are you going to try to play it safe and go with a surefire thing? If, like a guy like, I don't know, like a Matthew Stafford or something in the middle rounds? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to go up and try to get a guy just based on his potential like Dak Prescott and risk the injury. That's what you got to think about. I think that, but I, I still think that he'll go in two, in round two or three, especially if there's a run of quarterbacks, like if Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, uh, I can't even think, I think Dak Prescott might be the number three quarterback if he is actually healthy. Josh Allen. Well, it's between those two, I think. Yeah. I know I'm probably not going to draft Dak this year. You know, unless he falls far enough. I definitely would not draft Dak as my starting quarterback. I, It's just too uncertain for me, anyways. Wait, uh, a little bit of breaking news here, though. It's I official see. that the Jets are signing Morgan I, Moses. I saw. <laughs> uh, to a one-year deal, so that improves their line for sure. And I assume he's going to play right tackle and either knock Fant into the interior or to the backup role at right tackle. Yeah, I. Yeah, he's gonna play right tackle. Um, yeah, Def- definitely he'll he'll be the starter at right tackle, I believe. At this point, more fantasy for the Cowboys, Zeke. I still have him in Dynasty, so I, you know, we'll see. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, though. He's another one. Do you draft based on his potential or based on his recent performance? Because this past season was probably, or I don't even think probably, I think it was his worst statistical season. Um, I mean, granted, like we've been saying, he didn't have a good passing game to kind of help him out. But I don't know. I've never really been a big fan of, of Zeke. So I still think there's potential to go in the first round, but I think it's more likely he drops to like second or third like Dak. Yeah, back in the heyday a couple of years ago when Zeke was number one, number two, running back, off the board, I just always it, he always seemed to fall to me because someone else would always be number one. You know, Le'Veon, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, 
Yeah. Zeke always found a way to get to me, though. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see if that happens again this year or not. I Again, I'll probably be hesitant to draft Zeke, just like I am with Dak. I will probably pass on him if I have the opportunity. Guys that I won't pass on, though, or one guy, is Amari Cooper. I'm not mm-hmm. passing on Amari. I still think uh, he's probably a top 10 receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been a Michael Gallup person. I know people love Michael Gallup. I think CD Lamb takes a step up, though, second year in Dallas. Yeah, I, yeah I've never been a big fan of Michael Gallup either. Um, but being that he is opposite of Amari Cooper, I think he's going to have his opportunities. Um, but yeah, Amari Cooper, like you said, he's been one of my favorite receivers. Uh, I've had him in both years of our keeper league, although he wasn't even my keeper. I uh, I just drafted him in, in the first year, and then I decided to keep Saquon. Obviously, <laughs> that didn't work out. But I was also able to still draft Cooper again. So I essentially had a I essentially had two keepers there. Um, but again, for this third year, I have not kept uh, Amari Cooper. But I would gladly like to draft him again if I have the opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I have him in Dynasty has been a part of my pretty strong receiver core mm-hmm. there for, for our league. <clears throat> not even going to talk about tight ends because they're not draftable. <laughs> yeah. Blake Tarlin, I mean, Dalton Schultz. If you need one for like a fill-in for a week, maybe, but yeah. Not for a long, full season. Cowboys defense, I'm not drafting them. Not touching them. They are Again, they're another one, though. I could see being a midseason pickup. Um, If that linebacker core turns out to be as good as we think they're going to be. Obviously, I don't think the linebackers could carry an entire defense, but if they play well, I think the rest of the defense plays well. Yeah, they're they're gonna start the year for me in the third quarter, bottom third quarter of the league. Mm-hmm. So, okay, moving on to the Washington football team. Once again, I have them at nine and eight as well. <laughs> Four and two in the division, six and six in the conference. They start out the opposite of the Cowboys. They beat the Chargers week one. Uh, they have a Thursday night game week two against the Giants. Actually, I should let you be. I should let you do this one since I did the first one. All right, you want me to start then? Yeah, yeah go ahead. I only said my one game, so. All right, so I think that they lose to water to LA week one. They beat the Giants, so that's one and one. They lose to Buffalo, that's one and two. Beat the Falcons, that's two and two. Lose to the Saints, that's two and three. Lose to the Chiefs, that's two and four. So kind of like you said, it's the exact opposite of what the Cowboys started off like. 
Packers, question mark there, because we don't know the quarterback situation. Again, a lot is riding on what Aaron Rodgers decides to do. If he plays, I think Washington lose out, loses that one. But if he doesn't, then Washington wins it. Uh, so I'm just going to, for the sake of things, right now he's still on the roster, still going to play. So that would make them 2-5 and five there. Uh, they beat the Broncos, so that's 3-5. and five. Lose to the Buccaneers, that's 3-6. and six. Beat the Panthers, that's 4-6. and six. I think they beat Seattle there, so that's five and six. They beat Las Vegas, so they go. They get back to five hundred with six and six. Uh, they beat the Cowboys, go to seven and six. Lose to Philly, I mean, yeah, lose to Philly, so that's seven and seven. Uh, lose to the Cowboys, that's seven and eight. Beat Philly, and then beat the Giants, so they end up nine and eight. I have. Similar, uh, almost a, well, exactly down the stretch from week 12 on. I had the exact same. Uh, before I go into mine, though, just we got compensation update for the Jets and Morgan Moses. It's one year, 3.6 million, which can elevate to 5.3 million if he plays 80% of the snaps this year all right i like it so yeah i have them starting out two and oh they beat the chargers they beat the giants on thursday night head to buffalo they lose that one beat the falcons in atlanta then it's a three-game losing streak they lose to the saints lose to the chiefs lose at the packers Come back winning in Denver. Another two losses against the Bucks and at the Panthers. But like I said, week 12 on, I have the same exact results. They beat the Seahawks. Win in Vegas. Beat the Cowboys. Lose at Philly. Lose at Dallas. And then they beat the Eagles and beat the Giants in New York for a 9-8. Pivotal games, I have five marked here. Week two at the uh, versus the Giants. That's Thursday night game. The other, the only non primetime game I have marked here is is the next one, the game against the Saints, week five. It's a one o'clock game, but the loss to the Saints at home. I think could be a deal breaker there, which I'll talk about at the end of the show when we say our, you know, how our records rank for the division. Uh, next game, home game against the Seahawks. That's a Monday night football game, which I have them winning. Next one, uh, week fifteen. That's at the Eagles. It's a loss. Unsure of what the date is on that one yet, whether it's December 18th or December 19th. So well, on the ESPN app, it says the 19th, but it doesn't have a time. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, on the printable schedule I got off NFL, it said either date. But if it's the 19th, that's a Saturday, so that's a special game. 
Or no, that's a Sunday. 18th is mm-hmm. a Saturday. Never mind. Yeah. So I think ESPN might be wrong, though. Because if they're putting all the games on the 19th right now, if they don't have any games on the 18th, there's going to mm-hmm. be a couple games that's that special NFL Saturday. And then the last one I have marked here, the next week, week 16, at the Cowboys, that's a Sunday night game, which I had them losing. So, yeah. I think that could potentially and essentially be for the division in that game. But we'll have to see our actual end of the show uh, predictions there. But I think that that game, I'm just saying in general, I think that that could be one for the division. Um yeah. But yeah, for the for Washington, you and I pretty much have the same exact uh, thing. I mean, we have the same record. The only games that we switched were Week One against the Chargers and whatever week that is against the Panthers. Eleven. Yeah, those are the only two games that we had different, but the rest of the schedule we had exactly the same. And uh, there is one other game though I just wanted to kind of highlight, um, and that's Week. 10, I guess, against the Buccaneers because mm-hmm. uh, that's a rematch of the playoffs from last year where Washington with a quarterback like Tyler, or Taylor, right? Taylor yeah. Heineke. Uh, they almost won that game. And obviously, even though they lost that game, I'm sure that Ron Rivera and the rest of the players on that team look back and think of that as a win because the Buccaneers ended up winning the Super Bowl. And the fact that they were able to hold their own in that game and almost win it, I think, was a big win for for them. Um, but, yeah, I'll be interested to see if Washington can get their revenge in that one. I don't think it's going to happen, but it'll be. I think it'll be a good game, though. Yeah, especially without Morgan Moses. <laughs> <laughs> Against Shaq Barrett. But, hey, yeah, but I think it's the other side of the ball that they have to worry about. I think that the... Washington defense can stop the Buccaneers' offense. Yeah, it is kind of funny, though, because it, it is back in Washington again. So, mm-hmm. uh, Before we go to the depth chart, just want to say condolences to Bears wide receiver Marquise Goodwin for missing out on the Olympics. <laughs> he was at the time trials. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what, which events he ran. I Obviously, I know he's a sprinter because he's fast as hell, <laughs> but I'm not sure if he just did the 100 or if he did, you know, 100 hurdles, 200. Not exactly sure, but I know he did not make Tokyo, so... All right, depth chart. Start off quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. New starter this year. We'll see if he can finally get in the playoffs or not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you you haven't had the luxury to have Fitzpatrick on any of your teams, right? I don't think so. No. Um, but... It, obviously, he has never made it to the playoffs in his 13 years or however long he's been in the league. But A lot longer than that. Well, 
It seems like it's only been like 13, it's but... It's like 17. It, he's valuable both on and off the field, though, because obviously we saw last year with the Dolphins, he willingly took a step back to let Tua do his thing. Even though I didn't agree with the move, I thought that Fitzpatrick was doing fine, as did a lot of other people, and they still made the move anyway. And Fitzpatrick didn't put up a fight. He still went to the bench and coached uh, Tua. And, I mean, he's done that in a couple places. He keeps getting replaced by the rookies or the new guys, and he just goes about his business, keeps doing it. So he's a team player, and even if he doesn't end up as the starter in the middle of the season or whatever, I still think that he'll be a valuable piece to that team. But uh, who is the backup right now? Is it Heineke or yeah. Okay. Yeah, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Steven Montez as well. But yeah, at least at least Fitzpatrick can actually play, mm-hmm. unlike another quarterback that continually gets replaced by rookies in Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> that is not that great at playing. <laughs> so. Wait. Just because we're on the subject of quarterbacks, it reminded me of something I saw uh, earlier today on Facebook. Now I know why the Jets haven't gone for a veteran quarterback. Yeah. the It's really bad, but there's only one player on the roster that has attempted a pass in the NFL, and that is their wide receiver, Jamison Crowder. So I guess he's the emergency quarterback if they really needed one. You know, it's funny. I actually knew that. Not not the not the the entire stat, but when you said there's only one player that's completed a pass, my mind immediately went to Jameson Crowder. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. We'll see, Fitzy. I think the Dolphins make the playoffs if Fitzpatrick doesn't get replaced last year. Just saying, Dolphins fans. Very well could have. Just saying. All right, let's go to wide receivers here. So three new faces I have marked. Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, De'Ami Brown. Samuel and Humphreys in free agency. De'Ami Brown in the draft. Going to severely miss Curtis Samuel. Again, I did not think it was a great fit. I still don't think it's that great of a fit, especially when they go and sign Adam Humphreys as well. Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, and Terry McLaurin all, in my mind anyways, mm-hmm. seem like slot receivers. Adam Humphreys is for sure a slot receiver. Yeah. Curtis Samuel, I think, does his most damage from the slot. Terry McLaurin's the only one that can actually play multiple positions well i guess they're gonna be doing a lot of curl routes this year yeah and it'll be interesting to see how much diami brown gets on the field but also if washington uses curtis samuel like carolina did last year Mm-hmm. getting a lot of handoffs yeah wait did uh samuel play for rivera in in carolina they did overlap? Okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah, because Curtis Samuel is drafted in 2017. Yeah. So he knows the system pretty well. And, I mean, I think that was probably a big reason why 
Washington went out and got him because of the familiarity. And obviously they needed a receiver. Um, but I didn't – I've never been a big fan of Adam Humphreys, though, <laughs> in any of his stops. So that one doesn't do anything for me. But the Deami Brown thing, though, I think he has a chance to really <clears throat> – maybe not this year, but in the years to come, I think he has the chance to develop into a big – target for whoever the Washington quarterback ends up being. I just think it's going to be so tough because they signed Curtis Samuel to the three-year deal, I think it was. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to have to pay Terry McLaurin soon within the next two years. So, I don't know. Only one more person I have on the offense to talk about. That is their new left tackle, Charles Leno Jr. coming over from the Bears. Very solid. I think the, you know, they have him and they have Sheriff. The other three I'm not that sold on, Wes Schweitzer at left guard, Chase Rouye at center, and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. I, the right tackle is the biggest issue for me. Cornelius Lucas there at right tackle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Charles Leno solidified. They find they found their replacement for Trent Williams after mm-hmm. after two years. Hey, better late than never. Yeah, defensively, I only have two guys start here. Their first round pick, Jameen Davis. He is the starting weak side linebacker right now. Again, I was not a big fan of any of the Kentucky players in this year's draft. Like I said with Kelvin Joseph. Jameen Davis, I was also not as high on as a lot of other people were. And the only other guy I have is their new starting corner opposite of Kendall Fuller, William Jackson the third, coming over from Cincinnati in free agency solidifying the other side of the ball. I mean, they are very thin, though, at corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's names. I know a lot of the guys' names, but I'm not... I, I don't think it's the greatest secondary there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their defense, though, I think overall is really good. Um, but yeah, just like you said with Davis, I don't. I was surprised with them picking him there in the first round, uh, not necessarily because of Davis, but I thought that there was better players and better fits there. Obviously, he's a starter for them though, so they think he was worth the pick. Um, but yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of Washington taking him, and uh, yeah, like the other guy you had started there too with Will Jackson. I've never really been a big fan of his either, but I mean, in this defense, I think he could maybe do pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, Davis is definitely going to help, especially against the Eagles and the Cowboys because he'll be able to cover guys coming out of the backfield like Boston Scott and Miles Sanders 
And with the Cowboys, Tony Pollard, uh, I couldn't think of anyone on the Giants that has that receiving ability. I mean, Saquon, I guess. But I don't ever really think of Saquon as a big receiver. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to – I keep forgetting who their backup is now. Booker. Devontae Booker. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. As far as fantasy goes, and you know what? We forgot to talk about the kicker for the Cowboys in fantasy, Chris. Greg the Leg. <laughs> oh, I forgot that he was a Cowboy. So, he's a pretty solid kicker. I think I think overall the division is pretty solid when it comes to fantasy kickers. Who's the Giants kicker right now? I can't even think. Well, that's the one. But actually not. Graham going to... Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely one of the better divisions in kicker fantasy points. Uh, <laughs> before we talk about Washington's kicker, though, let's go back to the quarterback. Are you t- picking up Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because I would assume he's going undrafted mostly. Yeah, but, I mean, <clears throat> it's, I wouldn't draft him as a starter. And I might draft him as a backup if if I just forget to take a backup until, like, the last round. Um, but generally, when I draft, I try to draft two relatively high-profile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I don't like to wait to draft my backup because, for one, that gives me trade options if I needed to. For sure. And also, and also like, that gives me... An, another good option if my starter goes down. So I don't really tend to wait for backup quarterbacks. Um, but again, if you, for whatever reason, forgot about a backup or just don't draft that style, I could see him going in the later rounds as a backup quarterback, but there's no way I see him going as a starter. My only thing with Fitzpatrick in fantasy <clears throat> is the presence of Taylor Heineke. Now, I know he's not a big name, but he did, like you said, almost win that playoff game. And I think, anyways, that Washington really likes him. And that if the season doesn't start off that well, we possibly could see Taylor Heineke. Because I think they want to see if he can be the guy. Mm-hmm. When a lot of people don't think he's even close to being, you know, a every week starter, I think Washington sees something that they believe that he possibly could be. So, running backs. So, well, yeah. I was going to say. If they are going to do to Fitzpatrick what every other team has, though, <laughs> when do you think it would happen? Well, definitely not early on, because I have I have them starting three and one. <laughs> but I mean, possibly the bye. I mean, they're still not out of playoff contention there. 
I have them going into the week nine bye at four and four. Yeah, but, you know. See, I I don't know that it that is a good spot for him, but I I the way my record prediction falls, they would only be two and five uh, by the time the Broncos game comes. So I could see him coming in for that one. Yeah. I mean, also, the Seahawks game, because I have them losing two out of the bye, dropping a four and six. And at that point, you might be a little bit out of the playoffs. Granted, you're in the NFC East. (laughs) That might only be one game back (laughs) at Mm -hmm. that point. And, And there is that seventh wild card still, too. Yeah. So, and we we know the NFC is much easier to get in than the AFC is. At least it was last year. The Bears made it at eight and eight, right? Yes. So tied tied with the Cardinals at eight and eight. (laughs) So yeah. The okay back to Washington fantasy here. Running backs, though, love Antonio Gibson. Not top five, top ten. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, But, yeah, fantastic. I have him in one of my dynasty leagues, hoping he'll have a game. I actually chose him as my keeper in our keeper league. Uh, so I will have him on my team in this coming season. I picked him obviously because of how good he did, but also because I believe he went undrafted in our league. Mm. If, if not undrafted, he was a late pick. So I'm not losing much by keeping him. Right. I think, I think it was much better to keep him than to sacrifice my first round pick on Saquon again. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this is true. I'm switching mine as well. It will not be this guy anymore. <laughs> not going to do it. Uh, other running backs, not worth anything. J.D. McKissick, Peyton Barber. I know pe- people love Peyton Barber because he's a freaking touchdown vulture. <laughs> God, you don't know how many times I got mad about that last year. Oh, yeah, I know. He just stole every single touchdown from Antonio Gibson. Mm-hmm. All right. Wide receivers, though, love Terry McLaurin. Absolutely love Terry McLaurin. Another guy I have on Dynasty. Like I said, Curtis Samuel is interesting. If you can get Curtis Samuel in, like, the – fifth sixth round i think that's a very good value especially if they use him like they did in carolina last year where he's gonna get 200 rushing yards and a couple touchdowns on the ground as well as whatever he does in the in the passing game other guys i probably would stay away from adam humphreys diami brown definitely Especially Adam Humphreys. 
But in a dynasty league, though, I would consider drafting Deami Brown in one of the later rounds. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Unless you're starred for running backs like I was. <laughs> <laughs> Tight ends. Logan Thomas. I know mm-hmm. I know you like Logan Thomas, Chris. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I, uh, I picked him up mid-season last year. I think it was mid-season. Uh, when I needed another tight end because Mark Andrews was either hurt or on a bye or something. And, uh, yeah, I needed one, and I picked him up, and he performed well. So then instead of putting him on the bench or releasing him, I ended up putting him in one of the – the flex spots and he did pretty well for me in that spot so yeah crazy how logan thomas career has gone coming out of virginia tech as a quarterback didn't make it in the league as a quarterback switched to the tight end like tim tebow should have done originally (laughs) has had a lot of success in washington at the tight end position Definitely a starter for me, I believe. Not a top-tier guy. Probably a top-seven tight end, though, I would say. In that second yeah. second tier. Yeah, he's definitely one of those second... Like I said, if I didn't have a guy like Mark Andrews, I, he probably would have been my starter. So, But the fact that I had Mark Andrews, he was delegated to my flex spot. Yeah, and I think we definitely know... Ryan Fitzpatrick loves tight ends because you saw last year in Miami when they switched to Tua, Mike Gesicki's usage went down uh-huh. and Devontae Parker's went up. So Defense, obviously. This is a uh-huh. top three defense. Uh, you know, you, you're going to draft them whenever – that crazy person starts the defense run. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd say top three, but definitely like top five. I would give them at least top five. They could potentially be top three. I can't think of like all the top defenses off the top of my head, but they are definitely one of the best in the league. So there's no doubt that they should be in an active spot in every week except for their bye week. Yeah. And and when they play the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, there's a couple games I wouldn't play them. <laughs> the Bills, Bills, Chiefs, and Bucks games, I would not play them. I, I, th- I think I would still play them in the Bills game. Because of because of Josh Allen's tendency to fumble, and how good that line is for the for Washington. Well, I probably won't draft Washington anyways. <laughs> I'll probably stick to old reliable, mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steeler defense. <laughs> yeah, they're not a bad defense to have right now either. All right, uh, and then like I said, <laughs> kickers. Dustin Hopkins, one of the best in the league. Top five kicker in fantasy. Yeah.
it's funny because you never hear like Dustin Hopkins is really that great, but he always produces in fantasy. It's funny though too because every time I see his name on like when I'm doing fantasy or even when I'm just scrolling for stats or something, I see his name and it's D Hopkins. So I always think it's DeAndre Hopkins, the receiver, <laughs> and I get confused. And I'm like, oh wait, no, it's Dustin Hopkins. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty, that is the Washington football team. Let's move on to my Philadelphia Eagles here. <laughs> so, guess what? I have them going nine and eight. <laughs> three and three in the division. Starting off week one at Atlanta. That's a win. They come home, they lose to San Francisco. Lose in Dallas, lose against the Chiefs, lose at Carolina, lose against the Bucks. So not the greatest start to the Nick Sirianni era and Jalen Hurts. One and five uh-huh. to start. But it gets better. It gets a hell of a lot better. I can tell you that. They beat the Raiders in Vegas. They beat the Lions in Detroit. They come home, lose to the Chargers. So that's 0-4 at home right now. But they go back. They go to play Denver at, at Mile High. That's a win. They come home, get their first home win of the season against the Saints. They lose to the Giants in East Rutherford. Beat the Jets in East Rutherford. Week 14 by. They beat Washington at home. Beat the Giants at home. Lose to Washington in Washington, and then they beat the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys at home. That gets you to nine and eight. Pretty good run after week six. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. <clears throat> the Eagles are uh, one of the question mark teams for me because I'm not really sure how good they're going to be. Uh, I mean. Jalen Hurts has, obviously, a season under his belt as a starter. So it's not like they're coming in with a brand-new quarterback and all that. He already broke in last year. So they don't have to worry about that. But they do have the new head coach and the new system um, and all that. And they still have their share of struggles. I mean, they did address the wide receiver issue, but I don't know if that was good enough. And they still have their other issues, too, their offensive line especially. Um, but, yeah, they win week one in Atlanta. Then they go on a one, two, three, three-game losing streak. I think they are good enough to beat the Panthers, so that's two and three. They lose to the Bucks, so that's two and four. They uh, beat the Raiders, so that's three and four. Beat the Lions, so they're back to five hundred four and four. Uh, lose to the Chargers, that's four and five. Beat the Broncos, that's five and five. So they they're back and forth all season. I think they lose to the Saints, that's that's five and six. They beat the Giants in MetLife, so that's six and six. <laughs> I, I it's a hard it's hard to say that the Jets are going to win that one. Only because of the history. They're 0-11 against 
the Eagles all time. So historically, I'd have to pick the Eagles as much as I want to pick the Jets. And it's another season where they're playing twice. Yeah. Preseason and then the regular season. Yeah, so that's seven and six. They... I, I say I'll say that they win against Washington at home. So that's eight and six. They beat the Giants, and then they lose their last two. So yeah, they're nine and eight as well. <laughs> um, but I just want to put a side note. I don't know the history of this situation at MetLife Stadium, but. Two years ago, when we actually had fans at the stadium, the Giants and Jets hosted teams back-to-back twice. They hosted the 49ers in back-to-back weeks and the Dolphins in back-to-back weeks. And both times, I think the away team won both games. So, and I think that trend would continue here. Or, no, I had them losing to the Giants there, I think. But... No, Either you, way, you I think had they go one You had them winning. You had them yeah. winning. Uh, yeah, at least the Eagles can actually just drive back to Philly. Uh, yeah, they don't. They don't have uh, <laughs> too much of a drive there. Yeah. But yeah, nine and eight, four games I have bookmarked here. First one, week two. Home against the Niners. Now, are the Niners going to be better? Are they fully recovered from their injury woes? Now, the Eagles have had their own. But the Eagles beat the Niners last year in San Francisco. So, we'll see. And that was, granted, that was against a combination of C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. Uh, Nick Mullins starting and then C.J. Beathard coming in and almost bringing the Niners back. But Alex Singleton also had a pick six in that game, which was fantastic to see. Uh, Yeah. So I think that's their first key game. Next one is one of only two primetime games that the Eagles are involved in this this year week three that's at the cowboys i had them losing that one uh that is a monday night game there other primetime game comes in week six that is a thursday night game home against the bucks again i have them losing (laughs) it's two tough teams to play on primetime and then the only other game i have checked here was week 15 home against Washington just because like I said with Washington unsure if that game is going to be on Sunday or Saturday so we'll have to wait and see about Mm -hmm. that flex situation also you know as always late in the season we could get some of those flex games as well into Sunday night football which the only one I could really see doing that is probably week 16 home against the Giants 
or the other Giants game week 12. I don't know if week 12 is too early. Um, or no, I guess it says says down here. Sunday night games in weeks 5 through 17 subject to change. So dang, I didn't know I didn't know it was that big of a gap that they had flex options. Yeah, but they never do anything before like week 13 anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. I think Eagles Giants is always a staple of Sunday night football though. So. Yep. Especially week 16 if it's, you know, very close with the Eagles Washington and Dallas. As far as the division goes, I think that could or even week 15 but granted like i said week 15 is the washington game that we don't know if that's saturday or sunday if it's a sunday game i could see eagles washington getting flexed into sunday night that that week obviously mm-hmm. this is this is without seeing the entire nfl schedule so i don't know there's probably there could be better games that week but mm-hmm. just looking at the eagle schedule all right Eagles depth chart here, sticking with quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, new starter, new backup. And also Nick Mullins as well. New third string quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. I I think that Jalen Hurts is going to be all right. The offense that they're going to use, they because they, they brought in uh, Shane Steichen as the OC, I believe, from the Chargers. So, if they, they stick with, or I guess if they combine some of the Frank Reich and Shane Steichen concepts, uh, I think that would be a very solid offense for Jalen Hurts because you saw what Justin Herbert did last year. And Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback just like Justin Herbert is. So definitely I think they're going to go back to some of the things that we saw Carson Wentz do early on in his Eagles tenure when Frank Reich was there. A lot of RPO concepts. So I think that will help Jalen a lot. And I don't have too much to say about Joe Flacco. You know more about Flacco. Well, granted, I shouldn't say that because – I watched the Steelers play against them for all those years in Baltimore. But you had him as a starter <laughs> for a little bit <laughs> for the Jets, Chris. Yeah, I mean, he actually made the games exciting to watch for what they were. I mean, he he played against the Broncos, and the, I think he played in the Patriots game too. And he actually almost won both of those games. He didn't, but he almost did. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, he is I, – I, there's really nothing to say about him because I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but he – I always see him on the list of, like, 
the top 10 worst quarterbacks to ever win a Super Bowl. Like, I always see him on that list. Not Maybe not number one, maybe closer to the bottom of the list, but still, I always see him in that list. So, that's saying something. For sure. I mean, you saw it with the Ravens. Both of their Super Bowls was the same exact thing. Great defense, not so great offense. (laughs) Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco, the two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks for the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah. And you already know I was not a big fan of the Flacco signing. I loved that they signed Nick Mullins away from your Jets. So, again, though, I don't think think that they all make their roster, though. I don't think they're going to keep three. I think it's going to be Hertz and Flacco. So you think Mullins is just a training camp body? Unfortunately, yeah. And then the Eagles will probably try to slide him into the practice squad, but probably won't work. But I I hope that they do – I mean, I hope that they are able to get him onto the practice squad or – some way, somehow, get someone else because we know Joe Flacco is fragile. So, <laughs> all the back issues that he's had in his career. Yeah. And I think Nick Mullins is more comparable to Jalen Hurts anyways. Mobile, mobile quarterback that can run a lot of the RPOs. So... I think the only reason they brought Joe Flacco in was experience, really. Yeah. Try to do what they did with uh, Josh McCown a couple years ago? McCown was one of the best Eagles ever. (laughs) (laughs) Almost beating Russell Wilson at 41 years old. (laughs) All right. The... Running backs I have here. Not going to talk about Miles Sanders or Boston Scott, but I'm talking about the other two. Carryon Johnson coming over from Detroit in free agency and Kenneth Gainwell draft pick this year out of Memphis. They also have Jordan Howard. So, like I've said before, I'm not so sure that, you know, Carryon... I think it's really between Carrion and Jordan Howard who makes the roster. They're not going to keep five running backs. They're going to keep four. Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, they're solidified. Kenneth Gainwell, I think, is solidified as well, being a draft pick this year. So, And I think, I, I would hope, anyways, that the, the winner would be Carrion. I think he has more talent than what Jordan Howard has left at this point in his mm-hmm. career. So... I, I mean, I'm not a, really a big fan of either one, but if I had to choose one, yeah, it'd, it'd probably be Carry On. <clears throat> Wide receiver, the only one I have is Devontae Smith here. First round pick, obviously. He uh, He's going to be the savior in Philadelphia. <laughs> I hope so. I drafted him first in my with my first pick in uh, in our dynasty, so... I hope he turns out to be something, even though I've always been an advocate against him. I think Devontae Smith will upgrade 
Jalen Rager a lot. I don't think teams are going to go in and look and see like, all right, we got to stop Jalen Rager. No. They're going to go in and say, we got to stop, one, Devontae Smith. Two, we got to stop Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, not so much anymore. But Dallas Goddard is our number two option we got to shut down. And then third is probably Jalen Rager. So with that in mind, I I think Jalen Rager could have a, a breakout second year in the league here. Last guy on offense I have marked here is a backup, Landon Dickerson, the presumptive future center. But with the injury issues that the Eagles offensive line has had, I wouldn't rule out Landon Dickerson playing this year. Jason Kelsey, he's he's been an Iron Man. He's the only Eagle offensive lineman that has played every game the last couple years when they've had all the injury issues. Isaac Sayamalo is probably the second least injured. He's been pretty solid as well, left guard. But I'm really talking about Brandon Brooks at right guard. Has to prove he can stay on the field. And that's where I could see Landon Dickerson sliding in at some Mm -hmm. point in the season if Brooks goes down again, which, like I said, hopefully he doesn't. But the man hasn't played in two years, essentially. So... Yeah, but doesn't Dickerson have his own injury history too? Yeah, he's coming off torn ACL in the SEC championship game from so, December. So yeah, so I mean, I don't know if I mean obviously if you have to, you have to. But I don't know if making him a permanent starter right away would be the best thing to do. Well, he's not. He's no, but I mean, like if if Brooks were to go down in training camp or whatever, I don't know if making him the starter right away would be a good idea. I think that having some sort of like rotation at the guard spot would be what was the best. Yeah, I mean, he's most likely not going to be ready anyways for the start of the season. So that brings in Nate Herbig and Matt Pryor as the other interior guys that are available there. Defensively, one defensive lineman that I have checked here coming over from Washington in free agency, Ryan Kerrigan. Backup backup defensive end. I still think he's gonna stand up as a defensive end. I have a hard time believing Ryan Kerrigan will get in a three point stance because as far as I know, he's never done that in Washington. So because they had always ran a three four until Ron Rivera got there and switched to the 4-3. So, yeah, I think he'll stand up. But granted, I mean, we've seen we've seen a guy like Chris Long, though, come into the Eagles, and he was kind of, like, up and down. <laughs> he would stand up some plays and get, in, get down in some plays. I don't know. But, yeah, very happy to have Ryan Kerrigan there as a veteran pass rusher to back up Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. Eric Wilson is the next guy I have starred, starting middle linebacker. I still think that was – the two Vikings that the Eagles got this offseason I think were just major steals in free agency. Eric Wilson underrated, 
had a had a really great season with the Vikings last year. Was all over the field, tackling machine. And the Eagles have never had great linebackers since. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I guess the Super Bowl year when they had Nigel Bradham and. I can't even remember who the other linebackers were, but yeah, I I, I love Eric Wilson. I think he's he's going to be a really good addition there. Couple secondary guys: Zach McPherson, their fourth round pick out of Texas Tech, and Anthony Harris, starting free safety. Like I said, Vikings guy for Anthony Harris. Not. So good of a season last year after a, what was it, seven interception season the year before in 2019? Something like that. But again, the man has that on his record. So, yeah, he's he's definitely has a chance to be a ball hawk in the Eagles scheme with Roddy McLeod being that strong safety there. Zach McPherson... I didn't know too much about him when the Eagles drafted him. He's slated right now as the third corner behind Darius Slay and Avante Maddox. So I I do believe he'll play a lot this year, you know, in a secondary that is not deep at all. And last guy, special teams. Eagles new punter this year, Aaron Sippos. I'm not too familiar with him. I know he has a pretty big leg just from what I can remember of him punting in in the preseason. He's been with the Eagles like the last two years or something like that in the preseason. Uh, And then they've always had Cam Johnson, so they haven't they've cut him but no cam johnson this year they had to cut him because of cap so aaron sippos is the new punter in philadelphia this year fantasy what do we think about jalen hurts chris i don't know i think he he's a low tier backup at, at most i think I agree. I think he's a to start the season. He's a QB two, and then with the potential to be a low tier QB one starter. You know, bye week starter or match match up based starter. Yeah, I I definitely think he's like one of the last like three quarterbacks drafted and then again he can have a great season and either end up in the starting role or he could even for somebody he could be a valuable trade chip yeah but but I don't see him being a starter on a fantasy team unless it's for like a spot start for your starter to be or when your starter's on a buy or something Uh, 
running backs, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, I think both are can, can be had on rosters in fantasy. Miles Sanders, I, I think, top 15 running back. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely – Miles Sanders, I think, is definitely low RB1, maybe high RB2. Um, but Boston Scott, I don't know. I don't – other than Miles Sanders, I don't really like any other running backs. The reason why I say Boston Scott is because he's going to be your PPR flex guy. Yeah. He's going to get a lot of catches. The only thing I'm scared about with Boston Scott, though, is the relationship between him and Jalen Hurts. Because I didn't really notice him getting used as much when Jalen took over. Because uh-huh. Carson Wentz used him a lot. But I don't I don't think Jalen uses the running backs as much as Carson Wentz did. So we'll have to monitor that the first couple weeks. If you know, if Boston Scott goes undrafted in your league, I would definitely star him, you know, and just check in on Eagles games. You know, if you have if you're not sold on your running back or your flex depth and you think Boston Scott could be an upgrade if Jalen Hurts starts using Boston Scott more. Uh-huh. Pick him up. Receivers, Devontae Smith's the only one. Like I said, though, like I said, though, take a flyer on Jalen Rager late. I'm telling you, Jalen Rager will have a good season. Or, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really think he's going to get drafted. If he does, it would be late. So if he doesn't, kind of the same thing with Boston Scott. Like, monitor the first couple games, and if you think that there's a chance of him taking off, then go out and grab him before anybody else does. I'm telling you. He is – I don't have a legit list of sleepers yet, but he is on the list. (laughs) And he is – Relatively high on the list. It all depends on the production of Devontae Smith. Yes. Who, as we've already talked about, he's a solid. <clears throat> he's a solid option um, to draft. I wouldn't draft him as your number one, though. Oh no. I would draft him two. as a mid-tier two. I think right now. Um, and, I mean, obviously, though, you know, in Dynasty League, he was – I drafted, drafted, him, drafted him in the first round, which I think I had the sixth pick, so. Yeah. Uh, there's some leagues he probably will go earlier than that, and some he might last till the end of the first round, but he's definitely a first-rounder in Dynasty Leagues. I agree. Tight end, you know – Zach Ertz is an afterthought. Was once a top three. Dallas Goddard is, I still think, a top five tight end, though. Uh-huh. Well, he is, but does Hertz use tight ends a lot? I don't really remember 
his usage based off tight ends or wide receivers. I just remember that running back thing. Like I said, I know he didn't use them too much, but because Goddard definitely has the uh, potential, but it all depends on his quarterback. If his quarterback likes to throw to tight ends, but yeah, I I think right off the bat, I would may I would draft Goddard though as a <clears throat> low tier one high tier two guy and just hope that Hertz likes to use him. Yeah, I you know, like I said, I think Dallas got his top five tight end. And like I said before right now he's the number two option in the passing game. Mm-hmm. So But like you were saying before though, if the Rager turns out to be what you think he could be, then that takes away from from Goddard and possibly even uh Devontae Smith. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So let me just to spark a little bit of a conversation. Do you think Goddard or Rager is gonna have the better season? Equal. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> I think they could rival each other as the second option in the passing game eventually. Mm. But I think if you can maneuver it, though, get Dallas Goddard early on, and then he should... Because, you know, the defenses that they're going up against early on in the year aren't the greatest. <laughs> Their hardest games are going to be the, the, the Niners and Bucks. I'm not too sold on the Chiefs or the Cowboys defense. The Falcons defense, we already know, sucks. <laughs> and the Panthers are mid-tier right now with how many young guys they have, so... That's not necessarily a very tough defense to play. So just looking at those first six weeks, I think if you can get Dallas Goddard and he produces, go trade him before your league's trade deadline. And then, you know, try try to get Dallas Goddard for Jalen Rager, unless you have both. Yeah. Um, now, you were already writing him off, but do you think there's any way that Zach Ertz is a productive fantasy player, whether that's for the Eagles or another team? I mean, it's not going to be for the Eagles. I know that. <laughs> uh, because the Eagles are so sold on giving Dallas Goddard the tight end one spot. I think if he finally does go somewhere and the only place that I know is the Bills he would be very solid for the Bills in fantasy yeah, I, I'm, I'm still hoping that that happens because I picked him up in our dynasty league right now he's riding the bench but if he goes somewhere that is tight end friendly like Buffalo I'll gladly put him in my starting lineup 
Yeah. The only the only issue with Buffalo is there's so many mouths to feed. Yeah. Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox, and then you also got the running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. So. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, yeah, no. <laughs> the Eagles are not a defense to to take in fantasy. Nope. Not yet. Anyways, I think they their defensive line is still very good. It's just the back end that is not has not produced. But like I said, if the two free agent additions, Eric Wilson, Anthony Harris, if they pan out well, I don't think the Eagles are going to be that terrible on defense. I think they're definitely a rosterable defense. But I think they're more suited right now for the one-week plug-in defense rather than a defense to have consistently are you playing them against sam darnold in week five i would (laughs) i know when i'm playing them week eight at detroit (laughs) i thought you were gonna say whatever week it is against the jets that's true could play the uh the Eagles are Although, pretty, the Eagles are pretty good on defense against rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, and then Jake Elliott, like I said, another pretty fine kicker. Not a top tier guy, but he's one of those guys that you see when when everyone, not everyone, but the majority of the league drafts the kickers in the in the last round and Jake Elliott's usually always drafted so he's I think he's usually like one of the first four or five off the board well he's one of the best long ball kickers in the league mm-hmm. he struggled last year with his intermediate the 30 to 40 range yeah but from 50 plus he's pretty good <laughs> Alrighty. And lastly, the New York Giants, Chris, take it away. Your MetLife <laughs> Stadium counterpart. Yeah, so the Giants I I really don't know about them. I, just off the top of my head here, looking at the schedule. This is the first time seeing the Broncos, I'm kinda questioning it. But I just think the Broncos are that bad of a team, especially their offense right now. I I, I don't know. I think the Giants can win that one at home. <clears throat> then they go down to Washington. They're going to lose that one, so they're 1-1. One one. They play the Falcons week three at home, so they're going to win that one, so they're 2-1. and one. Go to New Orleans, lose that one. Go to Dallas, lose that one, so they're 2-4. and four, Or no, 2-3, and three, sorry. They will be 2-4, and four, though, when they host the Rams in week six. Um, and then they go – or then they stay at home and Carolina comes, which uh, 
I'm not sure if that's a homecoming for Donald or not. <laughs> or I can't remember if the Panthers Jets game is. Oh, you know, yeah, it is in Carolina, right? Yeah, Week One. Yeah, so, <laughs> Come yeah on, week, week One. Week One. <laughs> so. This is the homecoming game for Sam Darnold, essentially, even though it's not against the Jets. Um, but they called the first game that Odell came back to MetLife against the Jets as a homecoming game. So I'll call this one as a homecoming game for uh, for Sam Darnold. But, and I think that the Panthers come in and win that one. So right now they would be 2-5, and five, I think, according to that. Then they... Go to Kansas City, lose that one. They're two and six. Host the Raiders. Raiders beat them. They're two and seven. Go to Tampa Bay. They lose that one. Two and eight. Um. Then they host the Eagles on uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm not sure if they win this one or lose this one. I think they split against the Eagles, but I don't know which one they win and which one they lose. So. Let's just say they lose that one, so they're two and nine. Go to Miami, they lose that one, two and ten. Go to LA to face the Chargers, they lose that one, two and eleven. Cowboys, Giants, I, I, I can't see them winning that one, so they're two and twelve. They beat the Eagles that time though, so I'll give them three and twelve. The Bears, I think they beat the Bears, so they're four and twelve. And then Washington. They're not going to have the division wrapped up, so they're going to need to play. So I think that the the Giants end up going only four and thirteen. Good lord, Chris, you're rough on the yeah. Giants. I mean, they have a tough schedule, and I think they're the worst team in the division. So, yeah, I mean, I I'm not high on them either. I have six and eleven overall. Week one, they beat the Broncos. Week two, that's a uh, Thursday game uh, at Washington. That's a loss. Uh-huh. They, beat, they beat the Falcons week three, and then they lose five straight. Yep. At the Saints, at the Cowboys, home against the Rams, home against the Panthers, at the Chiefs. And that Chiefs game is a Monday nighter. <clears throat> they beat That's the, a random Monday night game. Yeah. They, they beat the Raiders. Uh, at home, they lose to the Bucks after their bye week, week 10. Uh, that's also a Monday night game. They beat the Eagles, uh, and then they lose another four straight. At the, at the Dolphins, at the Chargers, home against the Cowboys, and at the Eagles. And then they beat the Bears in Chicago. They beat Washington week 18. I actually have a lot of games starred here. Week two, obviously, I start all the prime times. So, week two uh, is that Thursday night game against Washington. That that'll that'll really see how their season's going to go. I think. Uh, yeah. Because if they beat Washington, they're going to start three and zero. Essentially. Yeah, but I, the week three game I think is also pivotal because I'm not so sure that they actually can beat the Falcons. 
I know the Falcons' defense isn't that great. Giants' defense isn't that good either. It's better than the Falcons, but it's not that great. I think both teams are comparable in offense. You essentially have one star with Kenny Galladay and Calvin Ridley. So. No, but I think the Giants, well, both teams technically have two stars. Uh, They have those two receivers, and then the Giants have Barkley and the Falcons have Kyle Pitts. If Kyle Pitts is as good as they say he is, so. But I just think it's the Giants' versatility with the running game and the passing game that I think will win them that game. Yeah, you don't you don't believe in Mike Davis, huh? <laughs> I mean, I like him. He filled in nicely for Christian McCaffrey last year, but the, the Falcons are going to be in a, a shootout most of the time, so he's not going to get a lot of carries. Uh. Next couple I have starred are, again, back-to-back. Week 8, that is the Monday Nighter against the Chiefs, which is going to be a very, very bad Monday for Giants fans. (laughs) Very bad Monday night, (laughs) especially because it's in Kansas City. And then the next week, I also have starred Week 9 against the Raiders. That... One, I think just like the Falcons, the teams are pretty close. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the Raiders, I think, are a better overall offense with Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs, and Darren Waller. Uh-huh. Um, but their defense, again, just like the Falcons, is worse than <laughs> the Giants' defenses, so. Next one, actually, I have three straight, even though technically the buys in between the second and third. But, yeah, the next one is another Monday nighter uh, at the Bucks. Again, not going to be a pretty Monday night for Giants fans. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, though, because uh, they did play last year, didn't they? And the Giants that almost was, won that one. But that was in New York. That was at East Rutherford. Yeah, but the Brady, for some reason, the Brady, some reason Giants, Brady struggles against the Giants. The Brady Giants thing only applies when it's in East Rutherford. <laughs> hey, well, now that Eli's back in the organization, who knows? Yeah, but Eli will be on, will only be on the field on September twenty sixth. So that's that's two months prior to the Bucks game, almost. <laughs> uh. And then the last one I have starred for the Giants is an intriguing one. Week 17 at the Bears. Now, why is this intriguing, you might ask? Because it will most likely be Daniel Jones versus Justin Fields, which may lead to a Giants loss in Chicago. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that one. Because I'm even before the draft, I was never high on Justin Fields. Obviously, the Bears were high enough to jump ahead and actually trade with the Giants, ironically enough, uh, to go up and draft him. But uh, yeah, I just, I mean, they still have the, the quarterback controversy that they have to figure out anyway, which 
is most likely going to end up with Nick Foles not being on the team. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I if I were the if I were the Bears though, I don't think I'd play Justin Fields at all this year, even if they are like even if they only have a couple wins. They're not going to have a choice because it's either it's either play Justin Fields or you get fired. <laughs> Because well, yeah, that's, that that's the thing. Night, but still. That's the thing. I don't even know. I don't. I highly doubt that Matt Nagy will even be the coach when Justin. I was gonna say he probably when Justin even Fields make it starts in week seventeen. <laughs> but yeah, that's why. Plus, the Bears' defense is still solid. Mm-hmm. So Daniel Jones could have issues there. But yeah, six and eleven for me for the Giants. Four and thirteen for Chris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just there's a couple games. I mean, the Raiders game, I could see them winning that one. And uh I I forget what other game you had them winning that I had them losing, but yeah, I could see them having six wins, but not anything more than that. Washington week eighteen. Yeah. Um, I just think that Washington will still be in it at that point going for the division. I mean, we obviously went through the other three and the other three are either a game apart or have the same record. So Washington needs those wins at the end of the season. So does the Eagles and the Cowboys. So Mm -hmm. all those games are going to be tough for the Giants. Roster wise, again, let's go to quarterbacks. Not Daniel Jones, but his new backup this year, Mike Glennon. <laughs> so, if anything were to happen to Daniel Jones, you know, we'll see big, tall Mike Glennon in there. Going to the running backs, let's just talk about Saquon returning once again from injury. I don't know. I mean, him and uh, him and Zeke are similar. I think, even though Zeke's not coming off injury, but a very poor year last year for Zeke. Yeah, I mean, I I've always been high on Saquon and always been a believer. Obviously, I drafted him in our keeper league and I kept him last year. Um, but there's a lot of factors I'm. I'm probably going to try to stay away from him this year because of the injury and because of, uh, I mean, yeah, mainly because of the injury, but also that offensive line isn't that great either. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen of the once top fantasy running back, Saquon and Zeke. <laughs> yeah, the two of them were, I think they were one and two at one point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's Saquon still might be worth a first-round pick, but I personally will not go for him. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it either. Uh, going to wide receivers here, Kenny Galladay coming over in free agency from the Lions. Kadarius Tony, first-round pick this year. So, Kenny Galladay. <laughs> I mean, massive upgrade. And unlike Washington, who signed, in my opinion, a, a another slot receiver when they already had a couple, Kenny Galladay at least 
<clears throat> is an outside receiver. Big body. He should have a, got a lot of touchdowns this year. He's the best thing they've had since Odell. Um, but, again, question with him is if he can stay healthy. He battled injury last year, and, uh, I mean, he was a high pick, too. In one of my random free leagues I did, I drafted him as my number one receiver, and then he obviously just didn't pan out all year. But uh, if he can stay healthy, I think that he can he can put up some numbers. Yeah. Uh, so Kadarius Tony. <coughs> We've said this many times this all season. We did not think it was a great pick for the Giants because mm-hmm. of the opposite. Like I said, with what Washington did, they already had slot receivers in Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton is more of an outside guy, but Sterling Shepard is one of the better slot receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. Yet they draft Kadarius Tony, who is predominantly a slot receiver as well. I mean, the only thing I can think of, though, is that they don't believe in Sterling Shepard as much as they used to. Because yeah. he hasn't really had that breakout season. He had a decent season a couple of years ago, but he hasn't really had that like standout breakout year that they were hoping for. Yeah, I agree. You know, I've never been a big Sterling Shepard person, so... I know, I know the Giants fans that I'm friends with, though, they love Sterling Shepard. So, who knows, though? Well, that's also because he's been their best receiver since Odell left. But now <laughs> now he's probably the – well, he's definitely not the best receiver on that team. He might even not be the second best. Yeah, so tight end, new addition Kyle Rudolph. As he tight end, too. Backing up Evan Ingram there. Uh, I like. I've always liked Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Not sure how much he gets used. Yeah, I think he's going to be more for the blocking uh, than the pass catching. Obviously, they already have Evan Ingram as the number one, and Ingram I think might be the number two target overall in the offense uh, behind Kenny Duck Galladay. But, uh, yeah, I don't see Rudolph really being used. I used to love him, too, because he had a couple really good early years in Minnesota, and then he kind of just fizzled out. But, uh, yeah, he has the potential, though. But, like you said, I don't know if he's going to really see that much uh, time with the ball in his hands. Defensively there couple guys Danny Shelton nose tackle coming in uh where the heck did he come from he's been so many places the last couple years was it New England was he from Cleveland or New England one of those places I think yeah I think it was from Cleveland I think he went from New England to Cleveland and then yeah (laughs) so but yeah Danny Shelton new new nose tackle there for the Giants' defense, pretty solid. Linebacker-wise, Reggie Ragland, new 
inside linebacker beside Blake Martinez, and they're... Oh, no, he was in Detroit last year, but yeah. That's what I was thinking. I knew he was in... I knew he played in Detroit at one point. That was another New England cast-off that went to play for a... Yeah. Play for a disciple of Belichick. And then the other linebacker, Azizo Jilari, their second-round pick this year, starting at outside linebacker opposite of Lorenzo Carter, two mm-hmm. Georgia boys <laughs> on the outside there for the Giants defense. Mm-hmm. I love Azizo Jilari. I think he's going to have a pretty good rookie season. Eight sacks is what I'm <clears throat> just throwing out there. Eight and a half if you want to be technical. But Reggie Raglan, he's always been so-so for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's been a couple places, won a ring with Kansas City. That wasn't because of him, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was on the defense, and he started. So, I mean, they don't really have any other options, though. At inside linebacker, the backups are Tate Crowder and Carter Coughlin. Both guys drafted Carter Coughlin <laughs> last year. Tate Crowder was uh, Mr. Irrelevant this year, I believe. I think so. So, and Tate Crowder, another Georgia guy. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, they really, they're going to struggle if Ragland or Martinez goes down, especially if Blake Martinez goes down. He's their tackling machine guy. Mm-hmm. So very thin at, at the inside linebacker mm-hmm. spot for the Giants there. Secondary, I have two, uh, one guy. Uh, unless you want to say two. Adoree Jackson coming over from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Logan Ryan, I was going to say as well, but I originally starred him, and then I was like, he was there last year, though. Right? Yeah, he he was there last year. So, yeah. But Adoree Jackson, again, not a guy <clears throat> I like that much, so I'm okay with him being on the Giants. <laughs> mm. And that's another spot where I don't see a lot of <laughs> greatness. <laughs> James Bradbury is the shutdown, but then you got Adoree Jackson, Darnay Holmes, Isaac Yadam, who's a cast-off from the Broncos, Aaron Robinson, who they drafted this year, is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. You also have Quincy Wilson, <laughs> Jet, <laughs> and uh-huh. Colt, and Colt, I should say. But uh, yeah, they got a lot of work to do on their defense. I mean, they have a solid line, but yeah, their secondary really needs help. Um, but yeah, the one guy you mentioned that <clears throat> I uh, originally, when we started the whole draft process, I wasn't really a big fan of, but then I started to grow and like was Aziz Ojulari. Uh, obviously, you got the chance to watch him being down in Georgia. But uh, 
I just didn't like his style of play. But then he was mocked to the Jets in their second first-round pick so much that I grew to like him. And then I was almost disappointed that the Jets didn't get him. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm happy with Elijah Barrett Tucker, too. But, yeah, I think that Aziz Ojolari has – I'm not saying he will – but I think he has potential to break out and win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I think he has that high of a ceiling. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, that that defensive line, though, with him and, uh, and Leonard Williams and Danny Shelton, I think they have a solid line there. Definitely going to be tough for him to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, you know. Even in a big market, it's tough when your team doesn't perform well. So, I mean, Leonard Williams did it. I mean, not Leonard Williams. Uh, um, why am I blanking? Sheldon Richardson did it on a Jets team that wasn't very good. So, yeah, and he was a defensive tackle in the middle. So, I feel. I like- think. I feel like you, defensive rookie of the year, you have to have double-digit sacks or you're a linebacker. <laughs> That's why I have futures bets for defensive rookie of the year. Micah Parsons, Odafe Owe for the Ravens, who we'll, mm-hmm. talk, who we'll talk about on Monday. But, yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't think Aziz is going to get double-digits, I think. Eight and a half sacks this year. It's a good number for him. Yeah. Solid start to a career. But that is all our NFC East predictions. So just oh, to no, wait, we we didn't we didn't go into fantasy for the Giants. Oh, forgot about that. <laughs> Way to keep me on track, Chris. Anytime. Well, we're not touching Daniel Jones. <laughs> nope. So that's out of the picture. We'll we'll move on real quick. We already sort of talked about Saquon. Both of us aren't taking him. But he I would will take get him taken. maybe if he falls to second or third, but I'm not taking him with my first pick. Mm-hmm. He will get taken by someone. And that someone will either be crazy and take him really high or someone will get a steal like you and i look at that i rhymed (laughs) three times (laughs) it does not stop chris (laughs) uh but receivers wise i'm not so sure i mean i would draft kenny galladay for sure just not sure on how high I'd go with the inconsistency of Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, I would consider drafting him as like a low tier one, but I would probably prefer him being my, my wide receiver too. Yeah. Um, but again, if, if the options are limited, and, like, I didn't get a receiver yet, I would probably go for him. I know he probably won't drop that this far, but 
my sweet spot for Galladay is probably sixth, sixth or seventh round. That's really yeah. far down, I know. Yeah. But I was thinking more like fourth round for him, but yeah. I mean, you know me. I always go running backs first, anyways. <laughs> uh huh. I don't value receivers. The tight ends, yeah, and and there's no other. Yeah. Sterling Shepard will get drafted, I believe. Actually, you know, I think the top four Giants receivers will get drafted by some people. Sterling Shepard. I don't Shepherd, know about Tony, but. <clears throat> Sterling Shepard, Darius Slade, and Kadarius Tony, I think, all get drafted. I don't know. I mean, I have Slate, and I think I still have him on, my, on our Dynasty League. And I used to have Shepard, but I think I dropped him. Um, but, yeah, I think that they can all have a role, but none bigger than Galladay, obviously. Yeah. Tight end, Evan Ingram, top five tight end. I don't – I'm still unsure of who that third one is, which, I mean, we can talk about it now. We're going to have a fantasy show later on, closer to the season. But, you know, you have Kelsey and Kittle, and Ertz used to be that third tight end. Now he's not. Now I think there's just a cluster of guys – that are vying to be that third guy. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, Kittle and Kelsey are in their own league. But when when you talk about the best of the rest, I don't know. I maybe it's because I've had him on my team for however long I know now. But you're gonna say. Mark Mark Andrews is one of my favorites. Yeah, that that's who I I knew you were gonna say him. <laughs> uh, I don't disagree. I just think I, – I don't, I don't know if it has turned into a spot where there isn't a top three. It's just those two, and then there's the next guys. <laughs> and then there's two other guys, though, that now I don't think they have much – well, they might still have fantasy value, but not as much. But the two guys that the Patriots signed, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, they were yeah. both up there too. But now that they're on the same team, they're going to be sharing – catches and stuff so they're not going to be as high in fantasy yeah defensively just like the eagles i'm not touching the giants defense (laughs) nope so nope again they're a team though that i think they're good enough that if i needed a defense for a week i would pick them up but no, I wouldn't draft them. Definitely not as my starter, and I don't think I'd draft them as my backup defense either. Yeah, I mean, they definitely did play well down the stretch last year. But we'll have to see. And once again, like I said before, kicker is this is one of the best divisions for kickers. Graham Gano came in last year. First year with the Giants. Solid. Mm-hmm. Consistent. Missed a couple game-winning kicks, which I liked. 
But uh, other than that, Graham Gano is usually pretty efficient mm-hmm. and worth being on a roster. Mm-hmm. All right, so now that we got the fantasy out of the way, though, what's your uh, what? How does your division look? So fourth is New York Giants at six and eleven. Second or third, I mean, is the Philadelphia Eagles at nine and eight. They're three and three in the division. That's what makes them third place. Mm-hmm. Second is the Washington football team, also at nine and eight. Uh, four and two in the division. First is the Dallas Cowboys, also nine and eight, also four and two in the division, but what separates the Cowboys from Washington is conference record, which is a second tiebreaker. Uh-huh. Cowboys seven and five in conference, Washington six and six. The, the- uh, do you think that <clears throat> In your scenario, do you think Washington makes the playoffs? Probably, yeah. But what about the Eagles? You don't think they do? It's it, it would be tough to have two nine and eight teams. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who the uh, sixth seed was last year, but I think they had like ten wins. It was. The the Rams. I believe, oh yeah, I believe. Yeah, because Bucks were five. Yeah, yeah, Ten. and the Bears were seven. Yeah, uh, not ten and six for the Rams. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would mean that would mean that they wouldn't get in the or the Eagles wouldn't get in the playoffs in that scenario. Um. But that extra game is going to really shake up a lot of things, I think. Um, but, yeah. So, my record is almost the same as yours. Uh, the, except my Giants are a little bit worse than yours. I had them at 4-13, and 13, right? I think that's how it is. Yeah, 4... Or, no. Yeah, 4-13. and 13, They play 17 games, yeah. So, 4-13, and 13, at the bottom of the barrel. Fighting for that first or the number one overall pick but i think four wins is too much for the first pick um then third is the eagles at nine and eight uh second is washington at nine and eight and then i the only difference between yours and mine is i think the cowboys outright win the division by record and go ten and seven and win the division uh still not sure though if that gets them out of the four seed uh, I'd have to look at how the rest of my thing shakes up, but I think that they maybe can get to the three seed. But I, right now, I think that the Cowboys winning the division ten and seven would be the four seed, and the and Washington would get in as the seven at nine and eight. Yeah, that's uh, I agree. I mean, there's no way the NFC East has anything above the four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there could be another. I'm thinking the other three divisions. There's no. <laughs> the I only can honestly, one. 
is the NFC North. If yeah. Aaron, if Aaron isn't there, then even it's if a he lot. is though, they've been there's been times where they were nine and seven and won the division. They've gone thirteen and three the last two years. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Anything, though, is an upgrade from what the NFC East was last year. Our record predictions for this year are far and away an improvement on all the teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, last year, we didn't expect Dak, you know. I think... Yeah, but even, even we if Dak played, though, I don't think they would have been that much better. I think we had... Yeah, what, I think we had 12-4 and four last year for the Cowboys, something like that, probably. 11-5. and five. Yeah, I, had the, I think I had the Cowboys as the number one seed. But, uh... No, but after seeing the actual season play out, though, I don't think that Dak would have made that much of a difference. Yeah, who knows? Huh? But, uh... Yeah, that's how our our predictions for the NFC East. We will have our AFC East records and our NFC East records uploaded to our social pages here Mm -hmm. in a little bit or tomorrow, whenever Chris gets to it. (laughs) But next Friday, we will have... The NFC North season preview, talking Jared Goff, talking Dalvin Cook. I would have put Aaron on here, but you know, we don't know. We don't know if he's yeah, going to be there. So that's why I didn't put Rodgers on here. But so I, I had to choose someone else from the other two teams, and I was like, I don't even know who, who I can pick from the Bears. <laughs> I mean, Khalil Mack. Yeah, but... I was like, well, I'll I'll take one quarterback that we know is actually going to play the whole season. <laughs> I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to play the whole season too. But you don't think Kellen Mond's coming? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we will have the AFC North on Monday's show. I think our friend Beams is coming on on Monday, he said. So he will be on. We might get some other Steelers fans on for Monday. I got to see. I haven't talked to anyone recently. But maybe. Maybe we might get some Steelers fans. We'll see. Thank you, as always, Chris. Don't forget to follow us here on YouTube, our Facebook page, at FAA Podcast. FAA Podcast, two A's on Instagram and Twitter and our website faapodcast.com I know my parents bought some merch this past weekend they used the code our our code is only only good guys for a couple more weeks uh one actually it's only good for about Eight more days. <laughs> it is good until July 5th. Just for a refresher, Rusty B-Day, all caps, that is your 20% off code. So. Yeah, I might, I might have to uh, pick up one of those, uh, the 
I'm, I'm not sure which one I want. I might get the the Fourth of July one, or I might get the military one. But I want one of those T-shirts. <laughs> I'm probably gonna pick up one of those T-shirts. All right, man. A little bit longer show today, but it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Make sure to tune in on Monday for our AFC North season preview. All right, Chris. Look forward we'll to it. See you on Monday. See you later.